And that's awesome, isn't it? Are you excited to be able to, to, to partner with people like that? That you get to, to be participating in the mission? Uh, and and just, like, uh, just like the shirt says, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. It's both and. Uh, and that's what you've heard over the last couple of days, right? Uh, we can do that here. You need to be doing that in New Philadelphia, right? Reaching people with the gospel right here. Uh, but then uh, up in Boston and then out around the world in places that you might not even imagine that it's possible to take the gospel to. Uh, we get the opportunity to partner with people. I, I don't know, man. That ought to excite us. Uh, that ought to be something that fires us up, uh, that we get to be involved in that. I mean, if God should let you uh, go and do it, then that's really cool. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful thing. But... Uh, it's also really cool that he lets us participate with, with something as crazy as money. Right? I mean, that, that God has blessed us in this country uh, with the financial resources that we have. We are wealthy. We are stinking filthy, rich people. Yeah, you might not believe that, but you know, if you, if you, did you come today in a car? Did you come to, you come to church tonight in a car? Yeah, well, then you're in the top 5% wealthiest people in the world. You're wealthy. We're wealthy people. Filthy, stinking, rich people. And God lets us take that stinking, filthy, rich wealth that we have and use it to invest in his kingdom, to, to bring souls into the kingdom, that we can make that trade, that we can take that stuff that's, that's no good anyway, and we can trade it for souls that will last for eternity. Man, that's a good deal. <laughs> that's a smart trade, right? We need to wake up to that and realize the value of that. Uh, and that's, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. And we're talking about the fact we started yesterday in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You can go there if you want to. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. Uh, just about what time it is that we live, man, right at the jumping off point. Uh, just any time now, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to step out of heaven and uh, he's going to say, come up hither. And we're going to be gathered together unto him. And what an incredible time that's going to be. Uh, but we want to make sure that, that in light of that, we're maximizing our time. We understand what time it is. Like, like the, the, the children of Issachar, they had understanding of their times and they knew what Israel ought to do. And so we need to have an understanding of the times. We need to know where we're at in time. And then we need to realize in light of that, there's some things that we ought to, we ought to be intensifying our efforts, right? Because there's just a little bit of time left. You know, I, I'm a pretty bad, or I don't know how you say that. I'm a pretty bad procrastinator. Or I'm a pretty good procrastinator. I'm not really exactly how to say it, you know, but I, I procrastinate a lot. How about that? Uh, you know, I, if I could get done as much every day as I do the day before I go on vacation, man, I would be, I would be the man, right? Because you just know I got to get this stuff done, so I'm going to knock it out. I don't procrastinate. Well, man, it's, it's the day before the jumping off point, uh, and we need to, we need to be busy uh, we need to in intensify the urgency about how we're going about reaching out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul writes to this church at Thessalonica, and he's making this explanation to them. He's explaining and helping them understand what's happened to those that have passed away, those who have died, and, and that there is this rapture that's coming. And, and to the question of timing, he goes to Israel and deals with the day of the Lord. We talked about that yesterday, and he's, he's saying that's, that's going to come like a thief in the night. It's going to come suddenly and unexpectedly for some, but not for you. Because you have this supernatural understanding of the Word of God, right? You are not children of the darkness. You, you have been translated into the kingdom of light, right? You don't live in darkness, but you live in light. You can see what's happening. You, you can recognize the events because you have the Word of God. And then he, he begins to encourage them, you're children of light, now live like it, right? Live in light of the light that you have. 
Change how you live. Allow that to impact your living. That's, that's what he says when he picks it up in verse number six, right? He's explained all of this. Notice there's a, a change in the pronoun, right? He's talking about them, and then he says, but ye, right, in verse four, you're, you're not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, right? Let's, we're not of the night. We're not of the darkness. We, we live in darkness, we're in a world of darkness, we're, we're here, but we're not of it, we're not in it, right? We, we can live separate from it, so let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let, uh, but let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Uh, so let's, let's talk about how that we ought to live in light of where we're at. Enoch got that warning, right? God told him. God, God gave him advance notice. God said, judgment's coming, right? Here's this boy. I want you to name him Methuselah. It means when he is gone, it shall come. And, and, and from the evidence of the scripture, it's the judgment. It's the floods coming. Enoch listened. He believed, and he changed how he lived. He walked with God. He walked in the light as he is in the light, and he had fellowship with God. He, he changed his, his value system. He didn't live for himself, but he walked in agreement with God. Uh, that's how we're to walk. We're to walk in, in the light. We're, we're children of light. Let's, let's live like it. And the first thing he says, just very simply, is we need to wake up, right? Let's not, let's not be asleep. Let's, let's avoid the activity of the nighttime. Let's, let's not be those who are asleep. And you know, if you look at the church today, most churches are asleep, right? They're, they're living with an ignorance of life. They're not living like the church ought to be living, we're, we're in a stupor, we're, we're slumbering, we're sleeping, we're, we're living with, with a, a lack of care, an unawareness, a carelessness, not carefulness about how we live. Now we need to wake up and be careful about how we live. We're, we're living just passing the time, not, not maximizing the time. Time is a limited thing and we need to maximize the time. And it's a, a very limited thing and as we realize, the closer we get, to the rapture of the church, the less time we have. We need to maximize that time. We need to wake up. Uh, we, we, when we're sleeping, we're, we're living in a fantasy world, right? We're living in a dream world. It's, it's not a reality. We need to live with purpose. We need to live in the reality of where we are. Uh, the reality is Boston needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Yet thousands of people in that little sector right there who need to hear, they, they've got all kinds of this world's wisdom, uh, they don't know. They don't have any real wisdom. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and God is uniquely prepared a family to go do that. What an awesome opportunity to partner with that, right? To be a part of that, to see them come into the light of the gospel. But in order to do that, we we've got to wake up. Where right? we can't live with this passive indifference to what's happening around us. We, we've got to wake up and live our lives on purpose. Uh, and and listen, what he says there. Let us not sleep as do others right? If you look around and you compare yourselves among yourselves, if you knew Philadelphia, First Baptist Church, New Philadelphia, you want to go out and compare yourself to other churches, you're probably going to end up breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back, right? You're going to be so busy saying, look at us, we're doing so much more than everybody else. Well, I don't want to compare ourselves among ourselves, right? I want to compare ourselves to the Word of God. You know, we live in a world where where, where most of the church is asleep. Most of the world's not involved in the mission of Jesus Christ. We, we, we are not, we are in this world, we're not of this world. We don't want to base our lifestyle about the, of the things around us. We don't want to compare ourselves among ourselves. But we want to be different. We want to be awake. We want to be 
conscious and cognizant of what's happening around us. Don't ignore the things that are going on around us. We don't want to ignore the reality that our country is going to hell in a handbasket. The next generation uh, doesn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and, and it's, again, it's, it's here. Uh, it's in this community. Uh, and it reaches out around your state and, and throughout this country. The world needs to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we don't need to be indifferent to that. We need to wake up and not ignore what's going on around us. So uh, the, the first thing he says is just wake up. Just, just become alert. Become aware of the situation. Don't sit back with, without a consciousness of what's going on in the world around us. So we need to wake up. And, and it's, it's not just that we wake up, uh, but, but that we become active. It's not a passive thing to wake up. It's to become active. Notice what he says, uh, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. So we need to wake up so that we can watch, so that we can see what's going on around us, so that we're not just passive, we're active. You know, it's you know, I, I pastor a church, right? And, and there's, there's particular individuals in the church that I notice from time to time. Troy, you probably know this too. Uh, you know, sometimes in church, they, I, I, they have, tend to, I have a tendency to meditate while I'm speaking, right? And I know this with praying, you know, they're meditating on what I'm saying. It's just so, it's so impactful, they're trying to take it in. Uh, and so they close their eyes, you know, and they bow their heads. Sometimes they get a nod going on. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> and I can appreciate as you're sitting and, and, and you're passively listening, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to call somebody. I think you know, they have a tendency maybe to, to doze off. You know, I, I've never fallen asleep while I was preaching. Yeah, yeah. You're actively involved, right? You're actively participating. And, and that's, that's the same thing that he's saying here. It's, it's hard to fall asleep when you're actively participating. When we're involved in what's going on in the world, we're, we're seeing what's happening. We're hearing from these guys. We're connected with these emails that you've heard about. Man, listen and, and get a letter from me and, and respond to that letter and, and be involved in what we're doing. It's, it's hard to go to sleep when you're, when you're paying attention and you're active to what's happening. And that's, that's the advice of the Apostle Paul. Don't sleep, but do watch. And there's a couple of things that, that we learn about watching in the Scriptures. You know, we need to watch for ourselves in prayer. That's what Jesus, the, the disciples of Jesus Christ learned in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? They, they, they go into the garden with him, and, uh, and he encourages them. Matthew chapter 26, I think it's on the screen. Uh, then said he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here and, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, it be possible that this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, as I will, as, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh to his disciples and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, Why can you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus asked the disciples to go with him. I mean, he's facing this, this most traumatic time in his life. He's facing this, this moment in his life when he knows there's about to be this separation in the Godhead where he's, he's about to take the sin of the world upon himself. And, and the result of that's going to be, for the first time ever in eternity, a separation in the Godhead. Uh, and that's, that's, that's obviously a big deal. And he asks these disciples to go with him and to, to watch with him. And, and then he, he defines it when he says, watch with me. And he goes and he prays and he, and he says, watch and pray. Uh, it, what, what, what we're talking about when we're watching is we're, we're praying. But what they did was ex exactly the opposite of what he requested of them. They slept. 
they, they were asleep. They, they didn't watch and pray. Uh, they slept. And, and, and you know, if you were, you know, if you or I were, you know, there in the Garden of Gethsemane just hovering above it and observing what was going on that night and we knew what was going to happen the next day, Jesus Christ is going to go to the cross and, uh, and there's going to be this horrific crucifixion and, and all the things that are going to happen. If you were watch, watching in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, we probably would have reasoned, you know, I, I don't know about Jesus. He's over there and he's agonizing and he's praying and, and there's great, his sweat becomes his great drops of blood because he's agonizing so much over this and, and the disciples, you know, they, they seem to be getting a good night's sleep. You know, if we observed that scene, we might think that on the next day, I'm not sure Jesus is going to make it through, but, but the disciples are probably going to be okay. You know, they seem to be handling it well. But what was the truth? Well, the exact opposite was true. Because Jesus understood the importance of prayer, right? He understood the importance. The, the battle was fought in prayer, and then he went as a lamb led to the slaughter. He faced the will of the Father with confidence and assurance. He went forward and endured what he was called to endure, and, and the disciples are the ones who, who didn't endure the moment. They, they fled from the moment. Uh, in his darkest hour, they, they denied and rejected him. And if we're going to stand, if we're going to make it in the last days, I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like as we move toward the rapture. But I gotta believe, it's probably gonna get a little tougher. And life's probably gonna get a little more. If we're gonna make it in the last moments of the last days, if we're gonna be effective if we're going to be those who, who carry through with this thing and occupy until he comes, well, we're probably going to have to endure some stuff. And, and the way that we're going to endure that, according to what the Scriptures teach us, we're, we're going to have to be people who watch and pray. We, we can't be people who are asleep at the wheel. We're going to have to be awake and, and be involved, and, and we're going to have to be people of prayer. So the way to avoid temptation is to, is to watch and pray, right? Peter denies the Lord. He deserts the Lord, uh, and, and, and he does that three times. So if we're going to avoid giving into temptation, if we're going to avoid being people who, who don't endure and, and make it through and, and stay true to the Lord until the rapture of the church, uh, then we're going to have to be people of prayer. We're going to have to watch and pray. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of temptation in our world, right? We live in an hour of temptation, uh, and, and, you know, we're, we live in a stinking, filthy, wealthy society. Uh, and there's a lot of temptation to, to live life uh, at ease. Uh, there's a lot of temptation to live with, uh, with the, the nice things that our society affords us. There's a lot of temptation to, to value my comfort above the, uh, valuing the commission. Uh, there's a lot of temptation to think that, you know, I need that next nicer thing. Right? I, I, no, 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 really, I need that new car. I, I need that bigger house. Uh, I, I need that hobby. Uh, and, and what I would just suggest to us is we should think about uh, living more in tune with, with the commission. We should live, think about living more in tune with where we are in time and, and the need to take the resources that God has entrusted to us and invest those resources in the kingdom. God's kingdom, not my kingdom. Uh, not, not the things that, that tempt me and draw me away, but, but to live with a, a, an eternal value system, not a temporal value system. 
to, to value those things that God values. Not, not resting on our laurels, right? We could look back and say, man, no, no, you don't understand, Joe. First Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Ohio is, has impacted the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at what all we've done. And that's awesome, praise the Lord, but you can't rest on that, right? We can't stop there. We can't, we can't look back over our shoulder and say, no, we've done enough. We haven't done enough. There's more to be done. And if we're going to avoid that temptation, then we've got to be people who are willing to, to watch and pray. We've got to wake up and watch. And, and not only do we, we watch in prayer for ourselves, but we need to watch for others. We need to be like Enoch. You know, when Enoch woke up and God warned him, what did he do? What did Jude tell us yesterday that he did? He, he began to talk about the coming of the Lord and he began to warn all of the ungodly. I don't remember how many times in that verse he said the ungodly. But he's warning them of the impending judgment. So he's awake and he's warning. Ezekiel, we're all familiar with Ezekiel chapter 3. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman in the, uh, the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth and give warning, them warning from me. We're, we're here to warn the world. We can't, we can't win anybody. We can't save anybody. Maybe you need that tonight. Maybe you need to be freed up from that. Maybe you need to recognize that you can't save anybody. The decision's theirs. I'm just to share the message, right? Our pastor used to say in Decatur back, back in the day, you know, I'm just the paper boy. I'm just delivering the news, man. You decide what you're going to do with it. You know, Fox News, we report, you decide. There you go. Uh, I'm just bringing the gospel, right? I, I can't imagine what it's like, Mike, to be in the middle of all of that education, right? All of these, these highly intelligent people and to communicate the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you're not, it's not your response. You can't make them understand. You can't make them comprehend the gospel. You can't convict them of sin. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. Our responsibility is just to speak the gospel, just to speak the truth. And, and, and we need to wake up to that, and we need to watch so that we're warning people, that we're communicating the message. Judgment is coming. Right, We're children of the day, and, and God has, just like he did with Enoch, he's enlightened us to the truth. We, we know that the day of the Lord is coming, and that's a day of judgment. And, and those people are going to perish in that day. It's our responsibility to warn them, to take that message. And, and, and again, we have this incredibly unique opportunity that we can, we can do that with our own lives, but we also can partner with people like you've heard from over the last couple of days. We can partner with them and, and, and become involved with what they're doing and take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I personally get really excited about that. Uh, just the opportunity to, to share the message of the gospel. You know, there's an uh, there's a ever-lessening desire for people to hear that. People don't want to hear about judgment. They don't want to hear uh, that, the, that, that judgment is coming, but... Like, like we saw yesterday, it's, they're looking for peace and safety, uh, but we are to be people who, who continue to preach that message. Paul told Timothy that, that it would be like this, right? There's coming a day when they won't endure sound doctrine, right? There's coming a day when, when they will heap into themselves teachers having itching ears. There's coming a time when, when they're going to turn away their ears from the truth and turn into fables. But listen to what he says in verse 5 of that text, but watch thou in all things, right? We're still to be watching in all things, endure afflictions, if you're going to do that, if you're going to communicate the message of the gospel, there's going to be some afflictions. All right, There's going to be some rejection. There's going to be some people who aren't pleased with you. But go ahead and do it and, and endure that. Watch thou in all things. Be aware of that. Be involved in that. We, we're to be warning people. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. 
Destruction is coming. It's our job to warn them, to communicate the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of us you know, know the story of Jonah, right? The whole world around him is headed for destruction. God tells him to go and to warn the people of Nineveh. And what does he do? He gets on a boat and heads in the other direction. And, and even on the boat, headed in the wrong direction, destruction is coming. Everybody around him is panicked. They're dying. They're facing destruction. And where's he at? He's in the, he's, he's in the bottom of the ship asleep. He's not involved in the situation. Everyone around him is dying, and the man of God's asleep. Let's not be like that. Let's not be those people. Let's wake up and communicate the message to warn people the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a world of people we've heard about in our country, but you, you go out around this world and there's literally, as we said yesterday, multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Decision who, who haven't rejected Jesus Christ. They've never heard of Jesus Christ. They, they don't even know who he is. Mike was telling me, Last night about Boston, right here in our country. What is it, 12-hour drive from here? That They meet people on the street all the time, and if you ask them what they think of Jesus Christ, they don't even know who you're talking about. They, they've not rejected the message of the gospel. They've never heard the message of the gospel. And, and what you and I have to do is to wake up to the reality that that's our responsibility. It's our fault that they've not heard. It's up to us. It's the commission that we've been given. We've got to wake up to that. And we've got to watch. We've got to watch in prayer for ourselves. We've got to watch in prayer. We've got to come, become involved so that we're praying through that thing and we're not giving into the temptation to just folding into the materialistic life of a 21st century American Christian. We need to be different. We've got to watch up, watch and warn. Get involved in the mission. Get involved in the mission, certainly right here. In your daily life with those that you work with. But, but we also need to get involved with the world. When he said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, he didn't say either or. It's not one or the other. It's, it's both and. It's in all of those areas. It's, it's a simultaneous approach to all of the world, taking the gospel to all of the world. And you and I, as, as, as American Christians, have this incredible opportunity to do that. You're in a church where, you, where you're afforded the incredible opportunity to do that. Man, let's get involved in it. Let's get involved significantly in that. Let's, let's do something about it because the time's short. We need, to, we need to wake up. We need to wake up and watch. And, and the second thing is, again, I, I'm... I'm the simple guy. We need to sober up. Uh, that's what he goes on and says, right? Uh, they that are drunken are drunken in the night. The latter part of verse number 7, verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober. We need to get sober about this thing. And he's talking about a, a spiritual sobriety, right? He's not talking about physical sobriety. It's, it's a good idea too, okay? Uh, but in the moment, what he's talking about in the context, he's talking about not being spiritually asleep, and he's talking about not being spiritually drunk. Be, be sober-minded about this thing. 
need to be sober-minded about where we're at and, and not be spiritually drunk. So we don't need to have impaired judgment. We, we need to have an understanding of what is a wise life and, and what's a foolish life. Clear-minded about that, having clear evaluation, not exaggerated feelings, but, but serious about what God's called us to do. Not living on our emotions, right? But, but very serious about the approach that we're taking, not this excited experience, you know, looking for all, all of the, the, the experiences, but, but being very committed to being a mature believer in Jesus Christ. We don't need to be people who are, who are spiritually drunk, always, always looking for a fight with the wrong people, right? We need to be sober, sober-minded people. It's crazy to see but again, so many churches in our country that if you wanted to describe the American church today, those two descriptions would be pretty apt. They're either asleep or they're drunk. They're either just totally unaware of what's going on in the world today or even why they exist, or they're over here drunk on some emotional high and uh, acting a fool. And we need to be neither of those. We need to wake up and be sober-minded the, the ideal of this, what, what Paul, you know, Paul often writes with this military theme, right? He, he's likening the church to a, a military movement that we're to be people who are, who are guarding, we're watchful, we're sober-minded. We're talking about in a minute, we're to put on the armor and we're to go out and get in the fight. And this is serious business, right? You know, in, 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 our, own, in our own country, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, Article 113 says this, a sentinel or a lookout who is found drunk or sleeping upon his post or leaves it before he is regularly relieved shall be punished if the offense is committed in a time of war by death. That's how serious, is that on, it is up there. That's how serious our government takes the actions of our military. If you're part of a military action, they're that serious about it. If you leave your post, if you're found drunk or asleep while you're standing guard, then it's your life. You'll pay with your life for that. If they're that serious about the military actions of our country, how serious are we about what we've been called to do by our Lord Jesus Christ? How serious are we? In that temporal war, and that's what it is, that physical warfare as, as awful as it may be, we're seeing it played out before our eyes in Ukraine. And, the, and it's horrific what's happening, but all of that is temporal. It's not eternal. The warfare we're involved in is eternal. How much more serious is it that we be awake and we be sober and we be in our position, that we be carrying out what God has given us to carry out, that we stand our ground, that we fulfill the commission that he's given to us? It's, it's very, very serious. Peter agrees with the Apostle Paul. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he says, The end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Do you think when Peter wrote that, he might be thinking back to the Garden of Gethsemane? He might be thinking back to that experience that he had in the garden and where he blew it. He's remembering where he failed to watch and pray. And now he's writing with the benefit of his experience, the benefit of his life. He's giving us insight and saying, Hey, guys, don't let that happen to you. Don't, don't fall asleep at the wheel. Make sure that you're not drunk, but that you're sober. So, so spiritual sobriety, instead of having impaired judgment, we, we need to have a clear-minded evaluation of the difference between what is, what is wise and what is foolish. And, and listen, 
to trade eternal reward for material things is foolish. That, that's a foolish choice. So we need, to, we need to sober up and think about that. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things in my life I can do without. There's a lot of things that are, that are unnecessary. There's a lot of things that are just luxuries that, I'm, that I'll promise you it won't take but about a millisecond in eternity for me to figure out, man, I, I'd trade a thousand times over to not, to not have that thing for this brief moment to have invested those resources in eternity. Do you agree? We need to sober up and to, to think about that, to, to recognize the difference between temporal and eternal. Investing the resources that we have. We, we need to wake up and instead of having exaggerated feelings, we need to be serious about our spiritual development, about learning the word of God, about knowing what time it is, about developing ourselves to be who God's called us to be so that we can get involved. We're not about excited experience, but we're, we're about having a committed approach to growing in the scriptures. Yeah, and again, man, you live, in a, you live in a place, you're involved in a church that gives you that incredible opportunity, right? But I would dare say, I don't know, I really honestly do not know, but I, I would imagine that it's the minority who've involved themselves in that. And we could all grow and mature and be serious about this thing. We're not, we're not going to fight with one another, but we're going to get involved with a good fight of faith. Right? Fight against the enemy. Fight against the devil. Quit fighting among ourselves. Quit being worried about the things that, that are our preferences and what I like and don't like. Resisting the, the things that, that somehow rub me the wrong way. And I'm going to get involved with, with the true warfare. When you're drunk, you do things you shouldn't do. Right, I, I've served for about 30 years as a chaplain with law enforcement. I started that 30 years ago because when I, went, when I left the secular workforce and I went into the ministry, I realized my, my interaction with lost people just evaporated. I don't, get, I don't interact with lost people anymore, so I'm looking for a way to interact with lost people. If you want to interact with lost people, get involved with law enforcement. There's a lot of them. As law enforcement officers and with the people that they interact with. You know, in all those years, I, I've been with law enforcement when we took a lot of people to jail. Seriously. There was only, there's only been one time when I was with law enforcement that somebody went to jail who wasn't either drunk or high. Every other time, they, they were impaired in some way on something, acting a fool. You know, they had impaired judgment, and so they were doing foolish things. They compromised their integrity and their standards, and they end up going to jail. We don't need to be spiritually that kind of people. We need to be people who are, who are sober-minded. Enoch, can you imagine? Can you just, when God says to him, I'm going to give you this boy, but listen, when his life's over, the judgment is coming. Man, Enoch sobered up, didn't he? He got serious about life. He realized there's no more time to waste. He got so serious about life. His great-great-grandson is Noah, who knows again that the judgment's coming, and he's a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. And everybody else didn't listen to him, but his family did. Those who were closest to him heard his message. And you know what? He had favor with God. He obeyed God. He, he fulfilled the mission that God gave him to fulfill. It's not about the results, right? It's about being obedient to God. 
We need to be those kind of people. Again, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. We're to wake up to be sober. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. We need to be people who, who are about the mission. We need to be awake. We need to wake up. Don't sleep. Sober up. And then the last thing is, is suit up. Put on the armor. That's what he says in verse number 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love for a helmet the hope of salvation. Again, he's just continuing this military theme. And what Paul says is we need to, there's some armor that we need to put on. If we don't recognize that we're in a fight, odds are we're losing it. If we don't realize that the Christian life is a battle, then we're probably losing the fight. And so there's some armor that he provides for us. Uh, Ephesians 6 obviously gives an exhaustive uh, description of all the armor here. He just gives a couple of pieces of armor. He talks about the breastplate of faith and love and the helm- and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. It's kind of interesting. You've got faith, hope, and love. Paul said that these are the greatest three. Right Now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three. So we need this, this breastplate so that we have a pure heart. The, the breastplate, when I, when I ride with the, the law enforcement officers, I, I get a, a bulletproof vest that covers my chest and my back, right? Because there's some vital organs in there. But obviously the most vital of those is our heart. So we're, we're to have a pure heart. God, God warns us about keeping our hearts pure. If we're going to make it in these last days, and I believe we're there. I believe we are in the, the very last moments of the last days. I, I really believe, and if you're paying attention, if you're, if you're awake and you're sober and you're considering what's going on around you, you've got to believe that we're in the last moments of the last days. Jesus Christ is coming. The rapture of the church is, is coming, and it's coming soon. And so if I'm going to make it in these last days, if I'm going to, to survive in the last days, then I need to have a pure heart, and I need to have a, a, a clear mind, a clear head. And the thing that I need to do that is, is this breastplate. So the breastplate, it covers our heart. God said that we're to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Paul warned the Romans. He said, knowing the time, Romans chapter 13, knowing the time, that it's high time that we awake out of sleep. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Right? We're living in these last moments, and he says this breastplate, it's, it's of faith and of love. I need to have a, a solid faith today. I need, to, I need to believe what God said. Just like we said yesterday, there's a lot of us, we, we know a lot of things in our heads, but do we believe them? Believe them so much that it changes how we live our lives. You know, the enemy would love for us to believe a lie. He would love for us to believe. He would love for us to buy in to the, the, the idea that this thing's just a, it's just folklore. It's just a fantasy. Yeah, Christ really isn't coming soon. He would love for us to believe that. Uh, we, need to, we need to be people of faith. We need to believe what God says. We need to believe what he says about the fact that, that he's coming soon. We need to believe that, that, that he said that he's coming in judgment. We need to believe that it's our responsibility to take the message of the gospel of G- Jesus Christ to a world. When we, when we give in to, to those those things that are contrary to that, we're ultimately just believing the lies of Satan. We need to, to be people of faith. We need to be people of love. We need to people, be people who, who ultimately love God. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? We need to just be people that, that fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we live with an appreciation of what Mike said tonight, just recognizing what all he has done for me and, and, and living with that burden of, of returning that, reciprocating that back to him, just living a life where, where we love him 
where we don't live as others live. We're not living like the example of the last days, like the people that are around us, where we're, we're lovers of our own selves, where we're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And, and if I can just be very practical about that. And I think it's fair to ask ourselves. Here's what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where's my treasure? Is my treasure invested in my pleasures? Or is my treasure invested in his kingdom? There's a guy before Dave Ramsey, Larry Burkett. Uh, he, was a, he was an old school financial guy before. You know, he didn't have the personality that Dave Ramsey has, right? Dave Ramsey does it with personality. Larry Burkett had zero personality. But, but he said this, and, and some of you, this is going, it's going to go over your head because he talks about a checkbook, uh, and you don't know what that is. Uh, but, but he said you could tell more about a, a person, about their values through their checkbook than any other thing. And what he's saying is you could tell more about what you value by where you put your money. And I think that's fair for us to ask ourselves. I'm not, I'm not looking at your finances. You know, Jeff said the other night, when you turn in that card, we don't want your name on it. Nobody's going to dun you for that. Nobody's coming after you. It's not a pledge. It's just you with God making a decision about what he wants you to do with the resources that he's entrusted to you. But I think it's fair for us to evaluate ourselves by taking a look at the resources that God's given to me and saying, where are those resources? Am I investing? Am I, do I love pleasure more than I love God? I think where I put my finances can answer the question. Okay. I should move on now. <laughs> the second thing that he says there, just real quick, I'm out of time. We, we, need, to, we need to have that, that breastplate, breastplate of, of faith and of love and then the helmet of salvation. You know, Satan is, is going to mess with your head, right? He's into psychops, right? Uh, and, and, and so if we're going to, to make it in the last days, you know, it's, it's crazy. What he does is, you know, Satan, he tempts us to sin, right? We're talking about that. He, he draws us away and he gets us to, to, to be tempted to sin. If he can suck us into sin, then, then he flips the, the coin on us, right? And he uses shame and, and accusation against us to defeat us so that we never get back involved in the mission. If he can keep us in that cycle, he can keep us uninvolved in the mission. And, and I'll promise you this. Listen, if you want to look for people in the Bible who, who understood their times and, and, and changed how they lived, Satan is probably the greatest example of that. Uh, the Bible tells us in Revelation that he knew that he had but a short time and, and he brought down very strong woes against the people, right? Because he knew that he had a very brief period of time and, and we should expect that he believes what the word of God says and he's intensifying his efforts in the last days. And he's gonna do everything that he can to keep you from being effective in the mission. And so we should be ready for that. We should be prepared. We should have for, for a helmet the hope of salvation. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that, that Satan, the great dragon, he's cast out the old serpent, the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was cast into the world, and his angels were cast out with him, and I heard a loud voice saying from heaven, now is salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. He's, he's the accuser of the brethren. That's what his name means. He's the accuser of the brethren. So the helmet's a critical part of our armor. Knowing the hope of salvation, it protects our heads and our minds so that we know who we are in Christ. He's, he's not able to discourage us and to defeat us. 
He's not able to, to cause us to, to reel in shame and condemnation. He's not able to keep us from being involved in the battle. We know who we are in Christ. It's more important now than ever that I know that my sins, the penalty of my sin, has been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. He has set me free from that. Hallelujah. Right? And, and not only has he paid the penalty of my sin, but he's, he's delivered me from the power of sin. I don't, I don't have to live under its control. I've been set three, free by the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He, he came and he cut apart the filth of my flesh. He circumcised me spiritually. And I don't have to give in to my flesh. I've been set free. But I also know that there's a day coming that's coming very soon. He's going to deliver me from the presence of sin. And that day's coming soon. There's a day coming when I will no longer live in the presence of sin. My, my salvation is secure, but it's, it's not complete. He's going to complete it one day when he, when he delivers me from this body of flesh and he sets me free. And I'm going to be out of this battle. And so what I just want to say tonight to us is to, to recognize that we have this hope of salvation and the battle doesn't go on forever. It's just a little while longer. And now is no time to rest. No, now is no time to take a break. It's, it's the end of the game. It's the fourth quarter. It's the last three minutes. Leave it all on the court. Now is the time for us to press, to, to wear ourselves out, fulfilling the mission, the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Time is short. There's no time to rest. There's no time to take a break. There's no time to, to slack off. There's no time for me to say, you know, I, I just need to step away for a minute. No, no, that's, this is not the time for that. Our salvation is coming, our rest is coming, and it's coming soon, but we've only got a few minutes left in the game. My, my son played basketball throughout all of high school, and, and, and I remember those games, and, and I was the way too vocal parent in the stands. But one of the common things that, that I would say at the end of the game, come on, guys, it, there's just a couple of minutes left. Don't, don't let up now. Don't, don't quit now. You've just got a couple of minutes. You, you can pour it all out. You can leave it all on the court. Don't have any regrets when the game's over. Win or lose, don't have any regrets when the game's over. Now, this life is going to be over. It's going to be over soon. Jesus Christ is coming. There's, I mean, just any day now, we're going to hear the trumpet. Don't have any regrets. Are you awake? Are you just resting, sleeping, unaware of what's going on in life? Now, come on, wake up. We're children of the light. Let's wake up. Let's be aware of what's going on around us. Let's be sober-minded about it. Let's get involved in the mission. Let's be sober about the decisions that we make. Do I really need that other thing? Or would that money be better invested in the mission? Am I suited up? Am I in the fight? Do I have on the, the breastplate of faith and love? Do I have the helmet of salvation? Am I secure in who I am in Jesus Christ and ready to go out and get involved in the fight? If not, tonight would be a great time to change that. Father, we love you. Uh, we thank you. We're grateful. We're grateful for all that you have done for us. Father, we recognize tonight that you have been so gracious and so very kind to us in enlightening us with the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, that you have translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son, that you have made us your own, that you have shined unto us the light of the glorious gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we know, we understand where we are in time.
And tonight with that understanding, we want to awaken to you. We want to awaken to your commission. We want to be sober about what you've called us to do. We want to suit up and get in the fight, and we want to to take it to the enemy until the last moment. We want to be found occupying until you come. We want to be prepared. When you you come, we don't want to be naked or, or ashamed that you're appearing. But Father, we want to be intimately and actively involved in what you've called us to do. So I pray tonight you would help us to be that kind of people. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Would you stand with me, please? As I, as I said yesterday, now's a response time. It's an opportunity for us to just respond to what God might be saying to us. You can do that in your seat. You can come forward and do that. But as the praise team leads us, let's respond to what God's saying.